Welcome, everyone. We are about to begin with Feedback and Insight Share number 78. Uh, this one's going to be a very fundamental one and a very important one. Uh, it's about the secrets of good communication and about how to avoid the walls that prevent healthy communication. Uh, we're going to start off talking about what the Gottman Institute came up with, a technique called speaker-listener technique. Now, the listening part is the hard part. Um, because what one needs to learn to do is when they hear their husband and wife talk to them and sometimes they're uh, issuing a complaint or they're upset about something or they want to talk to you about something and you need to listen, very often while you're listening, you're not really listening. You're just thinking about a rebuttal of how to respond instead of really, really listening. So one of the techniques that they saw through the studies of seeing couples in, in their laboratories and camp filming them over decades of work is that instead of um, responding to uh, what your husband or wife is telling you, what you do is after you listen and absorb what they are saying, you rephrase the statement that was being said. For example, if a wife may tell uh, the husband... The husband may tell the wife, let's say. The husband tells the wife, I feel very frustrated because you planned the next weekend without consulting me about my schedule or anything like that. You just said we're going here and there and you didn't talk to me about it. And um, it bothers me. I'm upset about it. So with the wife hearing this, um, instead of responding, what she could say is, I thought I did make the schedule. You told me X, Y, Z and respond that way. Um, instead, what sh- a, a different approach is to reflect on what he said and say, you know, sorry, I hear that you are, you know, that you're very frustrated because I made plans without you or didn't let you in. I hear what you're saying. And um, because the truth is, is very often in these type of conflicts, the purpose is not really even to resolve the conflict. It's to show that you hear them, to show that you really care. And that is a tremendous uh, idea. The idea being, though, what's very important to know in general about communication is that if you hold it all in and you don't express it in a healthy way, what's bothering you to your husband or your house, uh, has, uh, your wife, then what's going to happen is is it's going it's to build up and build up and build up until you're going to have a volcano eruption. And what very often people do is they make a mistake between selflessness and and being passive. They think that they're being selfless and um, by by, 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 um, not saying anything and not, not ruffling feathers and not complaining and they're being very selfless. But in reality, they're not. They're being just passive. And sooner or later, it'll come to the surface. Um... And uh, very often, when it comes to the surface after a while, the conflict that they're going to be fighting about is usually not what's going on at the moment, but rather they're responding to, to uh, unresolved aspects of issues that were going on maybe for weeks or months and even years. And um, so, and it's brought down in studies, sadly that over 50% of married couples 
admit that they don't handle conflict very well. Either because they get enraged and upset and angry and they lash out, or because they detach, one or the other. And um, unfortunately, very often this, this, this um, results in, in separations and sometimes divorces, which is a very sad thing. But the truth is, is that it is a skill and it takes a learning curve but it's workable, and there's ways to to have conflicts, to have disagreements and conflicts, and um, know how to communicate it in a healthy way. Because while shalom is a crucial goal, the idea is to run after shalom. But what's the biggest side, what one needs to understand, is that sometimes shalom ha- comes, the most deepest shalom comes, after there's a conflict resolution. Not by avoiding the painful things and allowing it to fester. That may look like shalom, but it's not shalom. Shalom is when something really is bothering you. You know, if it's a one thing here and there to be mavatar is one thing, but if it's an ongoing issue and you want to express it and communicate it, then the shalom is to communicate it in a healthy way to learn how to deal with this conflict. And why is that so? You may say when you're listening to this, Adarabah, let me work on my midas, and I won't have any conflicts whatsoever. But the truth is, is conflict is inevitable, and it makes no difference how gentle and loving a couple is to one another. And they love each other, and they talk to each other always with respect, and they really work on their midas a lot. Inevitably, there will be conflict, there will be disagreements. And learning how to deal with them in a healthy way, brings you both closer than ever before. That is the true shalom. To accept that differences of opinion and sometimes conflicts will come up, and that's a very important thing to know. It's a normal thing to have conflict. Now, in marriage, why do loving people fight? Many, many reasons. Number one is there's an overall gender difference Again, not the stereotype, and sometimes there's an exception, exceptions to the rule, but generally speaking, the women's brains and the men's brains, they're wired differently. It's scientifically proven, and it is just, you see it in life-to-life situations. Very often, for example, by the wife, by the woman, she goes to the husband and wants him to listen to her problems not necessarily to solve it immediately. What she really desires is empathy and caring. That's how she is wired. He is wired to solve the issue, that the frontal lobe functioning of the cortex, that is their problem-solving abilities. And men complain very often when the wives get frustrated at them, when they just offer solutions, they complain, I'm showing my love. I'm showing my love by working on a solution to the problem. My wife is upset and concerned because she has a particular problem and I'm working on a solution. That's how I'm showing I love I love her. But she's saying, that's not what I want from you. I don't just want the solution, oh, do this and this. I want you to listen and to show empathy and so on and so forth. So there's a there's gender difference. And then there's personality difference. Every couple, every human being is so different from one another. So every couple is different from one, one, one another, like it, like the snowflakes are different from one another, and like a fingerprints that, that no two fingerprints are alike. And therefore, because of gender differences and personality differences, the empathy 
of putting each uh, uh, putting yourselves in each other's shoes. That's really the work that needs to ha- happen. And in order to do that, to feel and to understand and to feel like you're in your husband's shoes and your wife's shoes, you first need to understand yourself. You first need to understand yourselves. Because if you lack your own self-awareness on how you yourself are wired and how you react in negative ways in conflict, then you, you know, then, then you're, you, you, you won't understand your husband or your wife. So that's a very important thing, to learn the insights and to have the awareness about conflict, about communication, and so on and so forth. The truth is, is that communication is the lifeline of any relationship, but especially a marriage relationship. And it could be learned and it could be mastered. And very often, people have difficulty sharing personal aspects of themselves, their deep feelings, their convictions, their personal thoughts. They have difficulty um, expressing it. Now, there are four levels of general communication that one needs to know these four categories. Level number one is basic fact conversations that you could have with everyone, practically any stranger, about the weather, what are you doing today, uh, what's going on in sports and politics, fact-type stuff, uh, what's going on, you know, stuff like that. That's number one, basic fact conversations. The next level, number two, is a little deeper than that, is opinions and ideas. Do you enjoy the weather? Do you not enjoy the weather? Uh, Do you like rain, not like rain? Opinions on politics, opinions on different matters. You know, general stuff that you schmooze about, about how you feel about certain subjects, and so on and so forth. That's number two. Then there is the third one that's even deeper. And the deeper things is feelings and emotions, um... You could talking about the stresses in the workplace or embarrassing moments you had or exciting moments you had, really sharing feelings with one another. That's a deeper level. And then there's really something even deeper than that, and that's deep faith on spiritual things, meaning the meaning of life, what really, really, truly matters to you, the core of an intimate relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and with your own self, with your own neshama, and, and that is also extremely deep, deep type of communication. So again, there's basic facts, then there's opinions and ideas, then there's feelings and emotions, and then there's these deep faith things. And the truth is, is that people have, are easier to discuss the earlier levels, the, le- the less, uh, the more superficial levels than the more deeper levels. To discuss basic facts, yeah, we'll schmooze all along. Expressing an opinion about something, why not? But when it comes to your own feelings and emotions, that's very difficult. And even after you get through that and talk about how you feel about certain things, to talk about really core things, what really means what's important to you as a person, as a human being, that is very hard. Now, some say that men have more issues with this than women, but most likely it's really universal. It's beyond gender. It's just many reasons why this is sometimes, um, um, you know, your, your childhood experiences or your teenage experiences um, caused you to communicate a certain way. Um, and sometimes you have within yourself 
a great amount of emotion and thoughts and deep meaning, but it's very hard for you to share it. You hold it inside, you don't express it, and but we all have those deep feelings. Sometimes to get yourself used to communicating when it's difficult is to journal, to write, to express verbally in a private setting how you feel about different things. Usually we aren't taught these basic communications. And therefore, there's a lot of walls, there's a lot of obstacles to relationships, to communications. And we're going to talk about this, um, about the various walls, the things that separate us, that does not allow a marriage to thrive, that holds back all relationships, but in particular between a husband and a wife. One of these walls is a wall of isolation. Wall of isolation means you pull away, and instead of being vulnerable, instead instead of uh, exposing yourself, taking the risk of sharing your vulnerability of how you feel about things, you isolate yourself. You put your emotions in a box, and in some families, that is the norm. That either their culture or they're brought up that way, and it's ingrained in many, many families and many, many personalities um, that we hold our feelings and we box it in and we isolate it and we don't want to even acknowledge it. And the Torah requires us, however, as part of our nature, certainly to sometimes be open about that tendency to isolate and withdraw and do the opposite of that and to show your caring and show your respect and to, and to get out of that isolation. So that's one wall that holds back communication. And what one needs to do is to not do that anymore to do everything they can to let their emotions out, don't hide it, don't bury it, and let it be shared. Another thing is a wall of denial. Denial means that you refuse to take responsibility for what you know that you need to, to do. Another, sometimes a husband or a wife, either one, may realize they need to correct things. But instead of correcting it, instead of acknowledging you need to correct it, instead you blame the other person not realizing or not even taking into consideration or not having the awareness that you play a role too. There are two people. It could be your, your, your spouse is at fault about certain things, but you're not free from responsibility. And when you think about it, you'll realize there's things you could have and should have handled better. So this wall of denial, of, of refusing to take that responsibility, also is a break in the communication where to, to, to fight that, you have to get out of that denial and acknowledge when you made an error or you made a mistake or you didn't handle something correctly. Another thing is a wall of withdrawal. It's a little different than isolation, which means that you just uh, suppress your emotions. Here what you do is you run away. Instead of dealing with things, you simply run away. And it's a fascinating thing. What, I, what, I, what I've seen and heard and read about, that you have couples that are at the brink of divorce, but it's not because they were arguing or had terrible arguments or conflicts or disagreements. To the, but, but what they did have is that wall of withdrawal. They withdrew from one another when they just didn't want to handle what they were upset about. They just withdrew from one another. That's not what Shalom is. To the outside world, it may seem so. It's quiet, it's manucha, it's, there's no yelling, there's no screaming, there's no name-calling. Madrega, but really, it's, it's not shalom. It's toxic because 
it's better to, to bring it up in the front and resolve it in a healthy way instead of burying it and withdrawing. It's fleeing the situation. And usually, it's very strange. You would think that the one who fights causes more damage. Very often, it's this fleeing a situation that causes more damage. And taken to an extreme, when you avoid conflict this way, is extremely destructive trait because confrontation is sometimes the only way to develop a healthy relationship. You have no choice. It's a healthy way to learn how to confront the differences and work it through. Another wall is a wall of displacement, which is very, very, very common, which is when you take out your negative emotions on someone who doesn't deserve it. You have a rough day at work, your boss harassed you, yelled at you, screamed at you, and you come home and take it out on your wife or your kids or your husband. And what you do is you're letting out your wrath on your the next safest person. It's safer to yell at your spouse, at your husband or wife or kids, than it is to your boss who yelled at you. So therefore, you're picking a quote-unquote safe target. That's called displacement. So I read up on this. That the mother related that she was at home with four sick kids. They were had the flu, and she was exhausted and all spent. The husband was supposed to come home at a certain time, was going to be late, called her from work. He said something wrong or something that maybe he shouldn't have said, whatever it was, and she exploded, exploded, and just words spilled out, and she threw her full wrath on him. Now, that's a normal thing with being sick with with, with five, four, six sick kids and, and changing diapers and, and cleaning up vomit and the whining and, the, and, the, and, and everything like that, and it's very, very stressful. So again, you know, that's understandable, but it's a displaced anger. And therefore, when he comes home, the way to correct this is to explain, I'm sorry I yelled at you, this is what was going on all day, uh, I'm overwhelmed, and then they empathize with each other and work it through. And so that's also another, another, um, another wall against valid communication. Another wall is a wall of invalidation. What's invalidation? Invalidation means the other way around. You do not say something when you should. Your husband or wife did something special. Your wife spent hours cooking a meal. And you see how much energy she prepared. And the husband comes home not even saying anything negative. Sometimes he will say negative. You know, like, what, what's this? What, what is this? Uh, this tastes funny, whatever. He could say something negative and kill it. But even when he doesn't say negative, he's invalidating by the very fact that he's not acknowledging the work that he saw that was put into this. Or the wife cleaned up the whole day. The house is relatively very, very clean. He sees right away he put it, she put in a lot of hours and effort into it. And he goes, oh, what's that pile of, pile of laundry doing over there? Meanwhile, she cleaned the whole house. And even if he didn't say anything at all, but not acknowledging, he notices it and didn't say, I appreciate, I see you must have put in a lot of work on, on, the, on, the, on the house and in cleaning. I really appreciate it. So that's another aspect, that invalidation. The way to break that is to say something that you should when you see your husband and wife put in great effort. 
into what they did. You need to show them that appreciation, show them that effort, and communicate that. I appreciate that you spend so much time on cooking this dinner. I appreciate so much on the fact that you cleaned up the house so beautifully, and so on and so forth. And we're going to do a second part very uh, right now uh, to continue on a few walls that hold back healthy communication.